Welcome to the Fearless Podcast with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. Today is a little different as I've got a special guest with me today, and it's going to be girl talk (laughs) sprinkled with a whole (laughs) lot of love and truth. I'm Amber Archer, your host. Joining me today is Serena Dykeson. Serena has been interviewed on multiple news media, including Fox Nation and other podcasts. She is a pro-life speaker that has shared her story on the steps of the Supreme Court with Silent No More. She is the founder of She Found His Grace Ministry and the author of the new book, She Found His Grace, A Real Story of Hope, Love, and Forgiveness After Abortion. Serena, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited. Um, So we're going to have a very open and and candid conversation on the subject of abortion that I believe a lot of people need to hear. I agree. Yeah. And not to mention, even as as we record this, there are liberal clergy members um, Mm -hmm. in South Bend blessing the abortion clinic. Could you, how did, how did you come? We were talked about that yesterday. How did that come about? Yes. So um, today, Whole Women's Health, they are inviting clergy in to bless the abortion clinic. And it's just one of those crazy things that they're just so deceived. And, and, you know, I talk to women every day and even myself and, and, you know, abortion is not a blessing. And it's just really terrible that that's what they're trying to really say. And, you know, there's just so many women that, you know, might not know the Lord and think, oh, well, you know, here's this church that's blessing this. So it must be okay. And, and it's not okay. None of us should be okay with that. Abortion hurts women. It, It ends a life. And, and we know that Jesus, he loves the children. And so absolutely not. We're not okay with that. Right. We are, we are definitely in a battle right now for the hearts and minds and soul of America. Um, so, so for people who don't know you, um, could you share some of your story? And and in, 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 let me just back up before we do that, because I met Serena last year in the parking lot of an abortion clinic because there was a press conference going on after there were fetal remains found at our local abortionist here in Fort Wayne. And there was a press conference to have his clinics raided to see if he was hoarding any other babies. Mm-hmm. So that's how Serena and I met. And now if you just want to share your story so that people understand where you're coming from and sort of your background and, and why we're sitting here talking about abortion. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the day that I met you guys. It yeah. kind of feels like a whirlwind. That was a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy. But yeah, so my story is that when I was 13, I was sexually assaulted by an uncle, and we found out that I was pregnant, and I had never heard the word abortion before. Um, we were literally in our uh, family doctor's office, and a pregnancy test came back, and uh, the first thing that the doctor offered was abortion, and my parents were looking for help. They were in a crisis, and they thought that that would fix the, the, that would fix the, what was happening. And um, little did they know that it was going to be, they were trying to put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. They didn't realize that. And so um, so they they decided to schedule an abortion. And we, we went to George Crawford's office um, clinic in South Bend. 
And, um, you know, the abortion industry is just so full of lies. They'll do anything. They'll do anything. And so I so remember as a 13-year-old, them just saying, the people outside hate you, so make sure you walk in quickly. And my parents, they were they were not churched. They were in a crisis. And I just so remember my mom saying, you know, just spewing off like what she was going to do if someone tried to judge them, you know, that's, that's how it felt. And so, um, yeah, so we went to George's office and as a 13 year old, I was separated from my parents and taken to a room by myself, which does not happen at a doctor's office at all. And, you know, the reason why they did that was so my parents wouldn't change their mind. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And so, um, the first time I ever met George was when he walked in the room and he smiled at me and said, this won't take long. And it was a horrific thing that happened. It was horrific. I, I remember just looking around thinking that the place was dirty as a 13 year old. That's something that stuck out in my mind. And also just feeling very violated. Like there was no care. I mean, he yelled at me for even being in pain and my mom hearing, you know, me screaming from the waiting area and they told her she couldn't even come in and see me. Um, and then they ended up sending me out the door. Um, I had hemorrhaged everywhere and my dad had to pick me up and carry me out the, out of the, the clinic. And we never talked about that day. Um, but it changed us forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that people realize how much it affects. Um, yeah, you just don't talk about it. And, and that's what I kind of wanted to sort of dive into with you is how did you then as a, I mean, you're 13, so we're talking just getting ready to start high school. I mean, we're still, we're still like eighth grade. What were you? Seventh, mm-hmm. seventh grade. And, and so how does that moving forward? That was one of the things that I wanted to ask you, your relationship with your parents, how did that affect sort of the family structure there? Yeah, so we were already kind of walking in dysfunction already, but this just added to it. And that's when my mom really um, started having a lot of mental issues happening. And, um, you know, we do, never- do you think do you think it was because of the abortion? Do you think it was because of that experience? Yes. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. she ended up having a mental breakdown after that. But mm-hmm. in my case, people would say, oh, it was the rape that caused that. Well, you put on trauma and trauma. What are you going to yeah. have? Trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So she really struggled after that. And eventually my dad ended up leaving our family. And, um, you know, I would later struggle with addictions. And it was just, it, it affected us so much. But no one ever talked about it. We just buried it. Well, and the interesting thing is, is it's a case like yours that everybody continually touts that this is a reason why we need abortion. You know, it's, it's those, the rapes and the incest, it's, it's what they always hold up. I think, I think after that, you know, I ended up getting pregnant at 16 then, and we ended up going to Planned Parenthood. We thought they would help us like, because we had had, um, Planned Parenthood come into our school and do sex ed. So that was the seed that was planted. They were there to help us. So we thought, okay, that's where we were going to go. And we, we, as we've talked about it as, um, 
you know, we've been writing the book, uh, we drove to a neighborhood we would have never gone to before. Like never. That was just not even uh, we're like, what were we thinking, you know? And so just getting in there and just, you know, them just kind of saying you're in high school, you're broke. Um, you know, you should just abort. And that was when I said, no, I was not going to have an abortion. And we, we chose life at, at mm -hmm. 16 and it made a huge difference. Like it was like, you know, that was, yeah. I mean, they said we couldn't do it, but we totally did it. When you look back on your abortion, do you, do you think like your parents, would things be different? today had you had had your parents not chose death for you at that point and for your or your child do you do you think your life would look differently do you think you like do you think you would have gotten pregnant at 16 yeah I I don't know I mean honestly I don't know if I would have I, I mean my life would have looked different I'm I'm sure you know we would have worked through some other stuff and that's you know yeah, I mean that. I'm I'm always fascinated by the the, the story, and we you know we can always look at the what ifs, but but right. it, it doesn't change it doesn't change the reality of what actually took place. But it is it is interesting to kind of think, you know, your mom wouldn't have had probably a mental breakdown. Your dad, there the the ripple effect of right. this one, what ten minute procedure? Is that how long it takes? Oh, it's a pretty quick receipt. Yeah, it, it's pretty quick. And, and the thing is, like, I think it would have looked different. We wouldn't have had the extra layers of trauma yeah. to work through. Um, we could have, we could have worked through the rape part of it. And, you know, good could have turned from it, you know, and, yeah. and it is, I mean, good is coming from it. But there was a lot of hurt that we could have avoided um, had we never walked into his office. Right. So what do you what do you tell those parents of young girls who end up pregnant who may have been raped or they're just out not being safe? And so what what do you say to them today? Well, you know, I have girls that I work with that are teenagers and they will send me a message and these girls will say, I want to keep my baby, but their parents are embarrassed and they're afraid of what the church is going to say. They're afraid of all these things. And, you know, I, I have been really kind of bold in telling them, like, you have to say, no, I'm not going to abort my baby mm -hmm. and you have to stand firm and we will come alongside of you to help you do that, like to, to be firm in that. And it's going to save them a lot of heartache. And also who cares what the Joneses say? They don't have to, they don't have to deal with the ripple effects of, of abortion. So, right. you know, so we have to just be bold and the, you know, like the church is going to have to get past that, you know? And I think so. So how can the church, how can they, what do you see happening? I mean, first we've got church clergy going and blessing an abortion clinic. I mean, sends a terrible message. Um, but how do people best help? Like, where's the void in the church? How do you best help post-abortive or the abortion-minded? What needs to happen there that, that kind of you see on your end? Yeah, so something that's happening, um, uh, women feel like if, if because one in four women in the church have had an abortion, mm -hmm. one in four, and so that's a staggering number. Like I didn't even know that. 
Yeah, one in four. And so they're sitting in the pews and either they're hurting and they're wounded because they've had an abortion or and because, you know, the church, something I find the church doesn't want to talk about it. So women, post-aborted women feel like this is a sin that can't be forgiven. And so they, they're like, it's so bad. The church won't even talk about it. So I cannot be forgiven. And so that is affecting the families within the church. And so for the post-abortive women, you know, there, there are women who've had abortions that God's called it to Mm -hmm. speak on this. Let us come in and talk, you know, and that's been a big hinder. Like I find a lot of problems. Yeah, they won't let us come in. Like, oh, we can't, you know, we got to be very careful about this. Well, I'm sorry, you're not talking about it at all. And these women feel like they can't be forgiven because you're not talking about it. And then on the other end, because the church is not talking about it, it sends a message that we must be okay with it. And so we have to talk about this in the church. And and if the pastor is not comfortable with talking about it, invite post-abortive men and women who have gone through healing Mm -hmm. and have a relationship with Christ, invite them into your churches. Yeah. Is there there a common thread that you see of why they won't let you come in and speak? Is it Uh, just the issue in itself is the problem? You know, it just seems like they just, it's uncomfortable. It's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable to talk about. And so we just don't talk about it. I mean, I have friends that are in post-abortive ministry and they get the same, the same thing as well, that it's really hard to get into the churches and we just want to pretend it's not happening. And, you know, we have, like I said, the one in four are going, they're leaving the church, the pews, the church pews and going right into the abortion clinic. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, you know, we, we have the fallout of, marriages ending. We have mothers that don't know how to um, connect with their children. We, you know, it's just a whole slew of things, but if we could talk about it and I know the the churches that have invited me in, um, I had a retreat that I did for a weekend and oh my goodness, like so many women came forward and just said, thank you. I, I've never shared this with anyone. And then at at that point, then we're able to get them in to the healing that they need. And so many women don't even know that post-abortive healing exists. They have no idea because we don't talk about that. So, Right. Because, you know, as you speak and as I'm just I'm sitting here and watching you because you're so free. Tell people tell tell people where you get your freedom. How how yeah. are you so free today? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So. It was a process. It was a healing process. And I had to go, it's like an onion, unlayering all of it. And, and Jesus was the one that, that put that healing bomb on my heart and, um, you know, walked through forgiveness and, and, you know, there was a lot of work done before I started sharing my story before I felt like the Lord asked me to share my story. But then, you know, I, there was a couple women that came alongside of me and said, Hey, have you gone to a post-abortive retreat? And I laughed because I kind of rolled my eyes at that point because I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm, you know, we, we say that we're good. Right. But I always say, 
um, to the women that I do ministry with, I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this post-abortive retreat and, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. like it was the first time that I felt like my family was complete, mm-hmm. that um, my, my, my family was complete. And there was just this, this freedom to mourn the loss of my child. I had mm-hmm. never been able to mourn that loss. And and I know a lot of women get really nervous about going to a post-abortive retreat because they think I'm going to have to sit in that. And they've been like just really beating. Somebody's going to know. Yes. And, yeah. and just kind of like that fear, the fear mm-hmm. of unknown. But yeah. what what they're missing is that healing bomb that Jesus like allows us to to mourn the loss of our child properly. So yeah. it's so beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. That's so good to hear. It's so encouraging to know because you once you get with women who understand exactly what you've gone through, I mean, that's another relief, you mm-hmm. know, that, that people aren't going to judge you, especially if you feel like the church is judging you, the place where you should be safe. Yeah. But here's here's a whole group of women who who understand and know. Yeah. So you started a ministry. Yeah. And sure. so tell me about your ministry. Yeah, so it, it's been just this crazy, crazy ride for the last year. Um, I kind of started a, a a Facebook page on on um, called She Found His Grace, and it was literally, you know, just people were coming to it. Like my story just kind of exploded, and I was like, well, I, you know, I just need to have this landing spot for people, yeah. and um, I, you know, I. I first started going out to the abortion clinic and I was trying to minister to the ladies that were going to the abortion clinic. And, um, as I, as I stood out there, there was just one day that out of frustration of not being able to talk to the women, I started praying and I was like, God, how, what do I do here? What, what does this look like? Um, and, and I, I just felt like the Lord was like, you know, uh, treat them like a VIP and meet them before they ever get to the clinic. And I didn't know what that looked like because here Whole Women's Health in South Bend was offering VIP abortions. And oh. I'm like, what in the world, right? And so for the last year, I've just really <laughs> that is so sick. Like it it's is, so sick. It's it's terrible. And so. Um, for the last year, I've been praying, like, God, how do I meet these women before they even go to the abortion clinic? And um, therefore, a while, my schedule was pretty packed with speaking and just going all over the place. And then COVID hit. Mm. And I was like, okay, God, like, what do I do here? My schedule's been cleared. I don't know what this looks like. And God started bringing abortion-minded women to me online. And they just started coming. <laughs> And I was like, okay, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy good because we get to have that conversation when they're scared and Mm. they don't know what to do. And we get to lavish love on them and we get to, um, just get to, um, really get to where, what's driving them to abortion. And, and so at the well, clinic, filling the needs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, be- because when we go to the clinic, we have like three seconds to talk to them and mm-hmm. they're getting covered by escorts with umbrellas and they have these escorts that 
I mean, just last week, one of the girls looked over when I, when I said, Hey, I have some help for you. And the escort said, she literally said to her, get in your car. And the girl got in her car. And so, you know, so that's what we face at the clinic. But when they're like texting us, we get to figure out, okay, they either have a financial need, they're in an abusive relationship, their parents are going to kick them out, whatever that is. And then what we do is we plug them into resources, into their community, and we get that taken care of. And then we, um, our goal is that we want to have a church connected with them to walk with them in their community. But then our organization actually um, offers them a baby shower. And so they get to go on and they get to pick out all the baby things and their mind is thinking, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. Right. And so then, you know, then that just changes everything that shifts everything. And then, yeah. And, and for our listeners, um, so when she's talking about baby showers, this is a virtual online baby shower. And what has the response been? I mean, we're talking about diaper supplies. We're talking about bedding and beds and strollers and everything you need as a new parent or expecting a child. You guys are actually being able to, you know, walk with them and help them understand that their needs. And then there's a whole community of people who are coming along and helping buy those things online. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the response been? Uh, these moms are just so blown away. They're just, they can't believe it. They're like, I don't know these people. And I just want to say, I don't know half of them either. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just literally went through my list of uh, thank yous um, that I needed to send out. And I knew two people personally and the rest, I have no idea. And it's just this beautiful thing of just people loving on these mothers so mm. well and um, they're just blown o- blown away by it. And they just can't believe that people would be so kind and loving them. And, uh, you know, and we also just get to do life from afar with them. But, you know, just being able to bring people in their community has been a beautiful thing, too. So, um, I mean, this ministry has it's not only national, but it's globally. We have women that we are reaching in Africa and supporting in Africa and, and also the United States and the UK. And so mm-hmm. it's just awesome. That is amazing. I mean, it, it is so, it's so encouraging. I mean, especially for, for women who think that their only option is Planned Parenthood and, and the, the likes of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to switch gears for a minute and talk about Inwood Drive. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, Inwood Drive is a documentary film that my husband and I produced and released just before COVID hit (laughs) as it hit. So everybody's sort of in the, in the same boat, but it primarily focuses in on the abortionist George Klopfer of whom, whom of which you actually, he performed your abortion. He did. So in the fall of 2019, he passed away. And as his family was um, getting rid of his things, they found a horde of dead fetuses, uh, over 2,000 in his home and then in an abandoned car. So tell me what that was like for you when you heard the news and, and that was 
happened because George lived in Illinois and all of us live in Indiana where he was primarily only an Indiana abortion doctor. Yeah. So for me, that whole week, I actually was planning a memorial service, kind of a remembrance service for post-abortive mothers and fathers. And I felt like the Lord had laid that on my heart. So all that week, that was something that I was working on. And uh, Friday night when I opened up my phone and I saw the breaking news, I could not believe it. I was just like, oh my goodness. And that night I, I crawled into bed and I, I was just praying and crying. And I was like, God, like, it's, it's one of, one of those babies mine, like, you know, just so many questions, so many questions. And, you know, in true God fashion, you know, he just reminded me that, um, my daughter is with him and all the babies are with him. And, um, just kind of that reminder of why do you think I asked you to do this service? I knew what was coming and I needed you to do this. And so there's going to be a lot of hurting men and women in our community. And so, um, so for me, I just, you know, um, I had a lot of peace at that point. Um, I'm just like, okay, you know, my God is who he says he is and I can yeah. trust that. And I know that, and not everybody has that relationship. Right. And so I knew that God had put a call on my life and that that was what I needed to step into and, and really just walk boldly into what he was asking me to do and walk alongside the hurting people, mm -hmm. um, a lot of hurting women and mothers. So, yeah. So, and they actually, you know, fortunately here in Indiana, um, attorney general Curtis Hill brought the babies back and actually had a proper burial for them. And, and you were there yeah. and, so, so what was that? Did you meet any other post-abortive women who actually had an abortion by George or? Yes. Yeah. So I was in contact with several women who, who just came forward who are really struggling and we're still doing life together um, because it, you know, it's a process and it takes Absolutely. time. That feeling. Yeah. And so just having that proper burial is just a place that they can go back to and spend some time there. And that's part of their healing process. And mm -hmm. so that I'm so glad that he did that um, mm -hmm. to give that opportunity. And, you know, as, as a post-abortive woman, um, you know, abortion doesn't allow us to, to have that mourning time, you know, we just don't get to mourn the loss. And so this is a very beautiful thing that they're able to actually be able to process that and walk through that healing process. So, Oh, friend, you are so courageous and bold in your faith. And I love it. And mm -hmm. just how you're walking with women and sharing your story and impacting other lives. Mm -hmm. So before we get done here, um, tell everybody how they can find you. Tell us about your book and your website. Okay. So people can find me at she found this grace on Facebook also, um, if you're looking, like if you're a church and you would like for me to come in and speak and do some kind of training, you can find me at serenadykeson.com. Um, my book is called She Found His Grace. It is coming out in September. I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so those are the areas that they can find me. They can always send me a message. I, I'm, I love doing life with people. Our ministry is growing. Maybe someone... 
Um, as we continue to grow, we are going to be looking for people that want to do uh, virtual sidewalk counseling from home. Mm -hmm. um, so if God has laid that on your heart, I would love to connect with you. <laughs> and and you, uh, you also have an outreach uh, through a podcast correct? I do. I do. She found his grace podcast. So awesome. Yeah. And we can find, we can find that all on your website. You, you can, the podcast is not on there, but I will, I, you can find the podcast on Apple and, um, yeah. So that awesome. Yeah. For abortion minded women that are just really walking through an unplanned pregnancy, um, you can reach out and text us at 574-400-5272 and we, it's totally confidential and we're just there to love on you and walk with you and find you resources. And even if you're a post uh, abortive woman and you're just really struggling and you need to talk, um, you can also text that number and we can, we can uh, get you plugged into someone that's just going to love on you really well. So, oh, well, friend, thank you so much for joining me today. I think you are just touching so many lives and doing a great job. And well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> oh, God is good. You know, yes. he takes these messy parts of our lives and he redeems them and he uses them for his kingdom. And so we just get to love on God's kids really well. And so that brings my heart joy um, because, I mean, how awesome is that that we get to just love on god's kids really well so, yes. yes all right well thank you for joining us and thank mm -hmm. you serena for coming on the show yes thank you for having me